My name is Logan Davidson. I'm the Chief of Staff for Representative Alex Dominguez, a Democratic member of the Texas House from the Rio Grande Valley. I support Progress Texas because they are one of, if not the most effective rapid response messengers uh, for progressive policy priorities, and they are, the, I think, one of the only entities that is a strong answer to the Republican propaganda that we see in the state. It's Tuesday, December 12, 2023, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. Let's think back to the Zorowski hearing at the Texas Supreme Court just a few days ago. A panel of judges who, in spite of their unanimous Republican allegiance, appeared to be carefully considering the plight of the plaintiffs before them, all of whom had had their lives, health, or careers threatened by Texas's abortion laws. Eleanor Klebanoff at the Texas Tribune writes that same Texas Supreme Court, seemingly considering all of this with compassion and care just days ago, ruled yesterday that Kate Cox, over 20 weeks into a non-viable pregnancy threatening her future reproductive health, does not qualify for emergency abortion care under state law. All of this playing out in real time as Cox's condition continued deteriorating to the point that she left the state yesterday to acquire the medical care she desperately needs. Her lawyers note that many women in Texas, any of whom who become pregnant could find themselves in the same medical predicament, don't have the means to quickly leave the state. While Texans are flooding clinics in New Mexico, Colorado, and Kansas, leading to delays in vital care for both locals and traveling patients. There's a lot to consider here, and a pair of op-eds are helpful in really understanding what's happening in Texas before our eyes. Michelle Goldberg writes in the New York Times that the Cox case shows that abortion ban exemptions are a sham, serving as cover for anti-choice elements who claim those exceptions have been misconstrued by abortion rights advocates in order to frighten doctors away from providing care that's allowed. That theory ignores the direct threats of legal action by Attorney General Ken Paxton in the midst of what should have been a careful consideration of Cox's case by her doctors. And the Texas Supreme Court ruling, according to Attorney Molly Duane of the Center for Reproductive Rights, who backed the Cox case, is, quote, the clearest message you could have possibly received from an anti-abortion state that they never meant the medical exemption to mean anything at all, unquote. Goldberg posits that hardline abortion opponents might have been better off if Cox had been shown mercy by giving Texas's abortion ban at least the appearance of workable legitimacy, but, quote, right-wing politicians and those who support them would rather inflict unimaginable suffering on women than relax the tiniest bit of control over their medical decisions, unquote. And Mary Ziegler points out, as she writes for CNN, that the supposedly pro-life Texas Supreme Court wanted Cox to carry to term a baby that would not survive— at the cost of the lives of the wanted future children that process likely would have prevented Cox from having. And also points out the bravery that women like Kate Cox and Amanda Zorowski have displayed in taking on these very personal and private legal fights without the cover of anonymity, as historic abortion cases such as Roe v. Wade saw. We salute their strength and courage. All of this should refocus every one of us on the elections coming up next year. The filing deadline for 2024 came and went last night, and we have a few highlights. Houston U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, unsuccessful in her bid for Houston mayor, has filed for re-election to her seat in the U.S. House, setting up a Democratic primary battle with Amanda Edwards, a former Houston City Council member who had declared for the mayor's race but dropped out after Jackson Lee joined it, endorsing the congresswoman and opting instead to run for the 18th District U.S. House seat. Edwards reiterated her commitment to that race in a statement yesterday. 
Philip Jankowski and Gromer Jeffers Jr. at the Dallas Morning News cover another incoming Dem-on-Dem clash as State Representative Victoria Neave Criado has filed to challenge Senator Nathan Johnson for his Texas Senate seat in the March primary, setting up a rare contest between two of Dallas's top Democrats. Neave Criado accuses Johnson of timidity in fighting to protect the rights of Texans adversely impacted by the agenda pushed by the Texas GOP, while Johnson says he stands by his record, claiming unwavering and outspoken opposition to the right-wing agenda and success with major policy wins. In a separate piece, Gromer Jeffers Jr. highlights, among others, the Democratic primary race to challenge U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, which has become crowded with lesser-known hopefuls but still apparently comes down to top contenders, U.S. Representative Colin Allred of Dallas, who has a large lead in fundraising and is running as a business Democrat emphasizing bipartisanship, and State Senator Roland Gutierrez of San Antonio, who says he's more progressive and doesn't consider the pursuit of bipartisan compromise a worthwhile effort. The Democratic primary is mere weeks away, March 5th, 2024. On the Republican side, intra-party campaigns of retribution are well underway for both Governor Greg Abbott targeting members of his own party who refused to betray the school kids in their home districts by voting for Abbott's private school voucher scam, and Attorney General Ken Paxton also targeting members of his own party who dared to attempt to hold him accountable for corruption via the recent impeachment farce. Blake Holland at KLTV and Tyler writes that Republican State Rep. Travis Clardy of Nacogdoches is one in Abbott's crosshairs, which he finds disappointing and surprising, citing a long cooperative relationship with the governor, who has endorsed a primary challenger to Clardy. Republican Party operatives at the county level in East Texas appear to recognize that both Abbott and Paxton are now placing endorsements based upon their own personal agendas, not any particular affinity for the individual candidates receiving those endorsements, and thus the actual value of those endorsements has already eroded considerably. Our hope is that all the bad news lately will really motivate Texans to engage in the next election, and one progressive group is betting big on that possibility. Adrian Carrasquillo at The Messenger writes that Move Texas has unveiled a $4 million-plus plan to register and mobilize young people of color in Texas for the 2024 election. Move Texas was founded a decade ago in San Antonio and has registered 150,000 voters since then, now supporting 30 full-time staff across its 18 student chapters. Their plan for 2024 is to register an additional 20,000 young voters and grow to 25 chapters. Climate change is yet another reason to vote at every single opportunity in Texas. And Sarah Bahari at the Dallas Morning News says that the Lone Star State can expect more blistering heat, extreme rainfall, and devastating droughts in the coming years, according to a new report by the state's climatologist, which finds that the severe heat and drought of the past two summers were not anomalies, but rather part of an ongoing trend. All this complete with the growing risk of wildfires in East Texas and a significant increase in the intensity of hurricanes along the Texas Gulf Coast. These patterns are expected to accelerate in the next 12 years, according to the report, which was funded by Texas 2036, a nonpartisan public policy nonprofit. The time for bold action on climate, frankly, was years ago, but it's still not too late. It's time for action now. That's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Tuesday, December 12, 2023. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Progress Texas is a nonprofit media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. While campaigns come and go, we're the permanent home for rapid response media and messaging in the Lone Star State. 
If you're enjoying our podcasts, an easy way to get active is to share our podcast feed with a friend and please consider making a donation to help us continue our important work at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.